Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 157. It is 157, isn't it? Yes! All right, okay. 157 of the Corona Diaries. Woohoo! I was trying to make that one a bit more unique. Yeah, no, I thought that worked out really well. Did you like that? Yeah, you sounded like uh, Danny LaRue. <laughs> like Danny LaRue? No, I'm just, I just made that up. On the subject of Danny LaRue, which isn't Danny LaRue at all, but hmm. what about Dame Edna? Yes, yes. Well, nobody lives forever. No. Um, I read her obituary to to uh, Barry Barry Humphreys. Did you read that? Oh, in the Telegraph. Yeah. That I did read quite, that. That was quite amusing. Quite clever, isn't it? Yeah. We ought to plan a load of that for after one of us has gone. Yes. Like there's I a load of CCD like... for literally years afterwards. You better write something because it's going to be me, isn't it? Let's face it. Well, I don't know, you know. I don't know. No, you think you might meet with some untimely accident on the Yorkshire Moors. Well, I'd not thought about it until you just mentioned it. <laughs> Could happen. Thanks for that. Um... We've Quick got a guest sand. with us. We've got a guest Quick. with us, but we'll get to our guest in a minute. He's going to have to sit and wait. He's going to have to. Hang on, I've got. I've just got to make sure that quicksand is just something that impinges on your consciousness so that you ponder the the thought of you dying in quicksand. I'm sorry, is hysterically funny, and I don't know why. And it do you know the last thing they saw was just the end of his middle finger vanishing into the slime. Yeah, and I bet you can work out. Which direction it was pointing and who it was pointing at. <laughs> but if you come back up for air, you'd be, and we're back. <laughs> now, you can't go you up stage in special guest. That's, no. not part of, that's not part of the deal. We need to talk about that. We need to talk mm. about that. Well, let me introduce you to James and then we can get on and ask, I'll ask you oh, about yes. Italy. Yes. So Enough. we've got, well, first off, James, your surname, is it Levy or Levy? Levy, you got it right first time, which is rare. Right. It is for me, yes, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> well, no, it's fair, fair to be Levy and not a Levy or anything like that. It is Levy. Right. Okay, so James Levy is with us tonight, and, and James has got a connection to the band and a connection to some of the recordings and some of the making of and some of the remasters, and we'll come to all of that in a minute. But just so you know who's cackling away in the background and throwing in <laughs> funnier-than-they-should-be lines, then that's James. Anyway... Anyway, H, how was Italy? Um, it was lovely, actually, in every way. Um, the Saturday night, the Friday night was good, but the Saturday night was, was really extraordinary. Um, it was one of those, for me at least, where everything just seemed to fall together. Uh, amazing crowd, great venue. I was on form. The band were on fire. Um I was singing really well. Um, 
So everything was everything was great. And we were in Italy and um, everything was very well organised, unlike how it used to be in Italy when it was always terrifying. Um, it was all put together really well. Um, the Web Italy did a really good job, as did, uh, De- you know, David and Giorgio and the rest of the boys. Just, just um, It was all great. It was really good. And, and then, that's the first one in Italy, isn't it? Yes, yes, the first weekend we've ever done in Italy. Um, but on, on Sunday, Phil Brown um, and I went went out for an ice cream into Padua. Well, I had one, he didn't. Um, and as we walked back, we walked through a little square um, with a, four mature trees in it. And in one of the trees was a cuckoo. And I've never heard a cuckoo in real life. And there it was, real, making this really loud and wood like panpipes almost, you know. Whoop, whoop. Um, in fact, that was wrong. It was, whoop, whoop. it was a proper major third interval in between. And we both stood there transfixed, looking up at this tree, trying to see if we could see it, but we couldn't. Um. So, yes, all of that, and I heard my first cuckoo in real life ever, to my knowledge. You've never heard a cuckoo before? I've never heard a cuckoo. Not in the world. Right. I'm convinced I've heard cuckoos. Well? I'm now starting to question my cuckoo experiences. Mm. No, I don't remember ever hearing one. I mean, the the Italians who wandered past looked distinctly unimpressed, so... Maybe they, that you know, maybe it's a bit more of a common occurrence in in Italy than it. Well, it certainly isn't round here in the village. Right, plenty of pigeons. You know, no cuckoos. No, never heard. Did one. you see it then? You only heard it. Couldn't see it. No, we both stood there squinting up at this tree for ages, but we couldn't see it. I would love to have seen that, you two squinting up at a tree. One of you with an ice cream, one of you without. Yeah, Phil Brown squinting up at a tree, along with me. Why didn't he want an ice cream? It's Phil Brown, man. He's he's a lawn to himself. Is he too cool for ice cream? Uh, Well, he is very cool, but uh, he does have very, very conservative eating habits. Um, Like, he won't touch anything green. Of any kind. Um, And, you know, he's really not an adventurous... He doesn't have an adventurous palate. He's more of a kind of bacon and egg kind of person, irrespective of where he is on Earth. Quick quick check then round the call, round the room, Mm. because I don't think ice cream's adventurous. It's adventurous for Phil. (laughs) Right. Where are you? No, I wouldn't James? say. I wouldn't say it's adventurous, unless it's some random flavour, like I don't know, garlic or bovril or something like that. Yeah, a kind of Heston Blumenthal thing. Yeah, yeah, oyster and uh, herring ice cream. <laughs> oyster and herring. <laughs> I bet you can get oyster and herring in Denmark, <laughs> can't you? <laughs> 
Uh, You've got a tub of Ben and Jerry's oyster and herring in the in the old <laughs> Danish freezer, haven't you? They probably you probably can get it in then, Mark. Yeah, right. yeah. Anyway, they anyway, tonight tonight saga because we are recording in the evening, mm. ten to nine, no less. I know. Um, starts because James randomly spammed me with a set of <laughs> liner notes from the Making of Fear album. Mm. Because obviously we were starting to talk about fear and James already sensed we were going to be in trouble. It's good to have someone on the podcast who who has even the vaguest idea of, of, of how we've made a record. <laughs> I, I think that is handy, actually. Um, I'm not convinced if I like it as the new norm, but let's see how we get on. <laughs> Um, but you were just I'm letting ta- the side down. It might take all well, the no, fun well, no, out of it. You're bringing the level up. That's the problem. <laughs> you were telling me before because we 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 were on the call a couple of minutes um, before X joined us, and you, I just, I randomly asked you what you do. Yes. Give me that job title again. <laughs> I am the head of the digital content and knowledge management domain at a telecommunications company. That is what I do. The head of what? A whaty what? Say yeah, that. exactly. Say that, that that's again the most, slowly. That's the usual reactions I get from everybody. They just look at me blankly and go, what do you do? I think you're, yeah. that could be the ultimate test of a ventriloquist. That. <laughs> <laughs> but it basically means I, I manage the company's information and data. Oh, well, not nearly so interesting now you've explained it. We've got all excited. Well, yeah, I know. No, it isn't. No. <laughs> I Hang think, on a minute. How uh, many documents did you say? Uh, I think we're up to about six and a half million now. Ah, uh, now. What, is that before breakfast? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and that's for a large, well-known telecommunications company, isn't it? That is, yes. Well, yeah, they were, they're, yeah we, we have, how many people in the company? It's about 25,000, so it's, it's right. a big, it's a multi-global company. Right, yeah. and it's never been hacked and... And given all its user information to, <laughs> no, to the not rest on my of the watch. world. No, good. That's <laughs> no, not the UK government. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, we, we, we're fine. But the the point is, and then you said, because you've you've your connection with the band is that you've now been involved in how many making ofs did you just say? Five making ofs and the last handful of remasters and other bits. Okay, and you're part of the the sifting process, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so... You're, with, you're, uh, you're the one with the DAT machine, are you? I am, ah, yes. I knew someone, must, here, someone yes. in the UK must have one. <laughs> <laughs> and a mini displayer as well. I say. Well, there's an ADAT. Where do you want the doors open? Well, there used to be. Yeah, but none of them I work. Think... I mean, oh, ours God. don't yeah. work. Yeah, I've got the one that works. Ah, uh, you got the <laughs> one. You got it. I wondered where that had gone. So how, how, just how? How did I end up where I, yeah, okay. Um, about 10 years ago. He came around to fix the phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was looking for this lost document. No. Um, basically, it, was, it came from Lucy's questions on Facebook, randomly. Um, somebody was asking around the 
making of marbles because I think that there hadn't been a making of album for a while. I think Anorak was the one before. And somebody asked, when's it coming out? And Lucy said, oh, no, I don't think we're going to do any more because anybody at Racket is not gonna, doesn't want to do it. And Marbles is one of my favorite albums by anybody. And so I don't know why. I just went, I'll do it, thinking, yeah, you know, everybody ignore me. Uh, and suddenly there's a pop-up message from Lucy going, you serious? And I went, yeah. Then suddenly think, oh, crap, what have I let myself yeah, in am for? I serious? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And two weeks later, I was at Racket being handed boxes and boxes and boxes of mini discs and a mini disc player to go and listen. Uh, I think because the amount of stuff you guys recorded for Marbles was just massive and took me a year to listen to it all. <laughs> yeah. Dave, Megan, right. what, what are you going to do? So your qualification so far is is you said yes. Yeah. And, and so that is. So I've got ears. And then it was a case of like learning how to get it all out and start. It was something like nearly 300 mini discs and around 60 CDs. I think just from the jamming and arranging of, of the, the album and the songs. Because there was also a load of stuff written during the same time, which was released on subsequent albums as well. It wasn't just the, the 15 songs that I think 15 songs that made the final cut. Um, and then so we'd released that that got released in 2015 I think and then sort of I thought that was it you know done dusted finished one off really enjoyed it that was it Um, and then I kept bumping into Lucy at gigs and stuff and I think it was at the Leicester convention in 2017 and we had a chat and I said what about the next one somewhere else and she went yeah that's a good idea and again I was thinking what have I let myself in for um, and because Mike was um, had been involved, in, you know, producing somewhere else, Lucy got me in touch with Mike, and Mike sort of went, "Yeah, okay, let me send you all the stuff for somewhere else." And and then it just steamrolled from there, from doing somewhere else, then doing happiness because basically a lot of the stuff came from the same sessions, um, and so I was started collating all the the jams i had it all together you know you wouldn't be surprised a big spreadsheet of everything so i could make notes of what's good what's what would be interesting to listen to because i i sort of i am a big fan and and that's how i approached it it was a case of what do i think other fans would find interesting of how these songs you know um, came to be because it's also listening to it and understanding, getting an idea how the band write and what's the sort of process they go through. Because I think, you know, they, as we've been discussed on this previously, there's certain stages of the writing process they go through and you guys go through. Um, and then I think after doing Marbles and, and, and sort of getting in somewhere else, I think Lucy and everybody sort of trusted me not to, completely screw everything up and not post it on the internet and <laughs> leak everything and sort of was allowed to release up into the loft up at Racket where I don't know if you've been up there and where there's literally boxes and boxes of dats mini discs tapes and god knows what else 
um, to start sifting through and start finding stuff and start looking for things. And um, and then when the remaster series came along, I sort of was, you know, we'd go and touch base with Mike and he would go, have you, have you come across this or have you found this? I'm looking for this and just went on from there. Um, and so of the last few, it's been a case of, um, I think if you take season's end, a lot of the sort of new, um, unheard, unreleased stuff has been come from my sifting through um, of things up in the loft. And as what I've started going through it, I said to Lucy and Mike, I said, well, as things are now starting to degrade because there are tapes up there from, you know, the 80s um, and from when Steve first joined the band, um, as I'm doing all this, shall I start digitally putting all this together and cataloging everything you've got for making Oz remasters and potentially any other projects in the future. And that's what I'm doing. So as well as my day job, um, I've been doing that. Fabulous work. So that... H, were you aware this was going on up in the loft? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't going on up in the loft. Oh, you mean, was I aware that James was there rifling through? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, thought it was squirrels, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought we got rats. I mean, we <laughs> yeah. have got a rat. Um, well, we did have a rat at one point, and so every now and again there is a bit of, you know, pattering in the roof. Um, but no, I don't, I don't. I mean, Mike, Mike's talked about James occasionally, uh, and I think Mike respects James, and trust me, that's that's praise because Mike doesn't get excited about much. <laughs> Um, and uh, he he sang your praises. Did did you manage to find a few bits of Afraid of Sunlight for him? At yes. Any point because he he literally did that remix from from things that were you know had been swept up off floors. Um, because when when he came to put Afraid of Sunlight back together, very little of the source material was you know, in the box labelled source material. Um, and he had to sort of cobble it together from various, you know, digital tapes and bits of... I mean, I mean what what EMI sent him wasn't really it. You know, when he when he put the, the faders up on the uh, multi-tracks that EMI sent him, half of it was missing. And uh, I know that he had to sort of scrabble around at length and find, you know, find the right takes. Some 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 of the takes that EMI thought were the right takes were not what we'd used. And he 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 cobbled Afraid of Sunlight back from a lot of disparate places. So that was nothing short of a miracle that he managed to remix and remaster that. Um, I think Season's End was a bit more straightforward. Although I know that at one point he said to me, um, "Can you re-sing some backing vocals on the space in Berlin? Because we can't find them anywhere, and they'd gone." Um, and so I had to listen to the record uh, and re-sing the BV parts here and there. For um, I think there was a couple of things in Berlin and a few things in the space that are on the record but didn't seem to exist anywhere separately from it, almost as though they'd been sung on while we were mastering. But I don't think they had been. I think they'd just been lost. 
So I, I, if if you buy the Season Z remaster, there are backing vocals on that that I sang about three months ago. I'm finding this all a bit surreal, really. So, <laughs> you, James, how many people have got a knowledge of what there is other than you and you, Mike, and I guess the members of the band that might have remembered? Nobody. I well, can answer well, that yeah, question. Say not many. Only James is the answer to that. Mike probably right. doesn't know what, what James has got. <laughs> I, I had a I had a phone call. For, we were we were on a family holiday, sat on a beach in Cornwall, and I had a phone call from Mike, just saying, "Can you remember if you've got anything that's got the um, the John Lennon quotes for the beginning of King?" <laughs> I'm sat on the beach, <laughs> going, "Uh." Yeah, can can you give me a couple of days and I'll see if I can send it over to you because I'm sat on a beach in Cornwall. So is this stuff being digitised now? Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm doing is um, basically building a, a digital archive right. of, all the, um, of all the older stuff um, that's on a sort of older formats, um, as I say, on, on the DAT, mini-disc tapes. I mean, it, sometimes it is, it's like going um let's just say whoever i think because of, of the time period and gone through the different people who've been in the racket studios and things like that the filing system up at the uh, up in the loft is is not british museum standard put it put it that way <laughs> you do you do sometimes I, I think it's it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together where everything's white and there's no straight lines it right. is a bit of you have to listen to it and go, you know, you get a you get a tape that just says Marillion. Well, that's helpful. And you have to listen to it and then sort of try and work out what's on it. Um, for example, with the Season's End material, um, a lot of uh, some of the stuff that was on um, the the Blu-ray, which is the some of the early versions and H's Season's uh, Sunset Town dictaphone messages. Was on a was on a just a tape that said Brighton Rocks, so you wouldn't know until you played it what was on it. So it's a lot sort of sifting all through that, curating it, and and putting it all together and chronologically so it works. So when if anybody Mike says or somebody says right, we we need this for this, I can go okay, I, I know where that is. I can send it over to you, and eventually once it's all done and put all together, it will go in a server somewhere so Mike yeah. and everybody's got copies of whatever's in the ra- the a- attic. So that's what I'm that's sort of the continual right. process. Don't let it anywhere near me anyway. And is it all dated? Um most I think the sort of later stuff is. Some of the earlier stuff isn't. The where you've got comps which is the writing compilations of ideas and things like that. Some of them aren't. They might just have a number on it. Um, but you can, there's enough sort of information out there in the ether and other people and books and things like that, which I, I go through when I'm starting to do this making of process. I sort of try and go back and look at interviews and things like that to sort of get an idea in my head of how the album came together. So I sort of got an idea of what I'm looking for. Right. Okay. Um, but the stuff since Mike, Mike's very good. He, he the stuff that comes through, it's all dated and it's got the jam on there or the usually with the edited Mike's edited versions on there. And so you can I can put it in a chronological order. But some of the early ones from 
sort of holidays and afraid of sunlight and brave has been a bit more tricky to to get it right in the right order so you can follow logically where where things are going that's because we will have we we will have put those together that's why and we you know we we won't have been even slightly meticulous you know diligent not a word that i should be using (laughs) not not no no right okay (laughs) but so coming back to you then h because this has always intrigued me. So you, we, we know the, we know the script. You know, we write by jamming, and we jam for a period of time, and then Mike sifts through things and he finds bits, and then we put bits together, and then we work on the bits we put together, and yada yada yada. But and that that's always sounded quite linear. I've always wondered: is it is, is it quite as as kind of one two three jigsaw pieces as that, or do you go so far with something and then bin it and go back to where you started and start again and because I haven't got it in a linear thing somehow. I right. can see you going back and forward. No, and... no there, will, there will be ideas that will be fairly well developed and, and you know, and getting getting to that point where we've put an awful lot of work into them that, that right. then someone or everyone will just go, do you know what, this isn't happening, is it? You know, bin it, you know, move on. So that does happen. Um and I think over the years, although I can't give you examples, there's there's probably examples of um, I you know arranged arranged songs that have been abandoned and then later plundered um, for an interesting bit of music, you know, and then perhaps a uh, and then lyric rewritten. Um, that's happened when it tends to be quite a linear process um but there's usually a point in the writing of each album where we'll go back to jams from the album before that didn't make the cut um because there'll always be some good stuff that just we couldn't use but then we'll go we'll 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 tend not to go back to that at the beginning of the process, but at some point in the process, we'll go, well, maybe we should go back a couple of albums and just check we're not missing anything here, anything useful. And that happens. That happens a lot. Right, okay. James, you're a fan. We've established you're a fan. You're a purple, aren't you, as well? I am. Uh, so there's two two purples on the call. I think it's a, um, I think it's a miracle that you're a fan if, af, after you've gone through what you've gone through. <laughs> I just I don't thought you'd be despising us completely by now. Well, well, this was gonna be this was gonna be my question because hang on, I've just I've just got to unplug my wire and just a sec. It's all knotted up. It's driving me crazy. But... I'll let you sort your wire out when the new album lands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, You've probably heard bits of it before then, have you? Um, possibly in, in different formats because right. I'm usually running an album or have been running a couple of albums behind. So to give you um, an example, I think this is out in the, the general knowledge, but the maintenance drug section of Care, the music to that was written years ago, was written in 2008 um and i heard that a couple of years ago when i started it was written i think during the happiness is the road sessions it, it was a song called uh class i think at the time 
Right. And and I thought, I, you know, thought, oh, this is brilliant. This is, you know, this is a great piece of music. The this is why have they not? And I said to Mike, I, um, I said, why haven't you used this? And he said, we've been trying to shoehorn this into a place every single album since because we all like it. Oh, but that's we can't the thing that is. Yeah. An hour before it starts, that whole, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, we, we've known that that was a really good thing for years and years and years and years. Uh, God knows when that was first jammed. It was way back. Yeah, it's um, happiness. Yeah, beginning that we, the, during the happiness sessions. We never found anything to do with it, and uh, yeah, that, that, I I do remember that, and we we'd got that, for, you know, the old the the groove, the maintenance drugs groove, and then Mike said, "Well, I've I've," he said, "I've finally found something for this," <laughs> and there it was, and we all went, "Whoa, that'll do." Yeah. So that when I heard care for the first time, I went, yay, they've used it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so it's, you, you don't, an album's not spoiled for you because every other song you're going, oh, I, fine, I've heard that. I knew that. I knew that would make its way in at some point. Actually, because that was really nice, your reaction there is, this thing that was great that I really loved has finally worked its way into something. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really cool. It's because I've been a couple of albums behind. I've not heard the jam, so I've not heard the jams yet of an hour before it's dark. No, because so the uh, so there's bits and pieces of, um, I you know there could be songs or lyrics. Lyrics tend to be the one that has really long gestation periods. Must drive H mad because you know there's there's sometimes there is literally ten years or fifteen years when a snippet is lyric or a couplet or something that is used on a jam, because you've gone, because I've gone back and gone, Oh, I know that, you know, that's made a note of that. Um, And then it's finally come together albums and albums later. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes have words that just, you know, that I feel quite good about. They just don't get used and then they go back in the folder and, um, you know, I look at them again time to time and, with a bit of luck, eventually they found they find a home that that um, that the. I mean, I have to wait until the band are excited about the music that the words are hanging on. Right. Um, so I might have I might have some really good words, and nobody can get excited about them because they're just good words. And we're not in the business of writing poetry. Um, so I have to wait until there's a killer musical line for them to to live on. And that can be very frustrating. Do you, do you ever have a situation where the words get inextricably linked with a piece of music and nobody can then separate the two, but the music's not been used? So you always have to wait for the music to be used for the words to come out. Does that make sense? Or do you move words around a lot? I can't remember. Okay, excellent. Can I give an example? Yes. Thank <laughs> God you're here. Power. Ah, yeah. Be good an example. No, that um, that did live through several incarnations musically, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's an anorak version. There's a marbles version. And then it finally arrived at um, on sound. So, mm. and that's 
and that's words moved over different music or that's something that was stuck together that eventually made it completely different music right fine so there was there was there was a version i think originally on on anorak which even made it to the backing track stage before it was sort of put to the wayside and then the 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 band rewrote very very different music for the marbles version it was very sort of i remember sort of Dawsey, late Beatles-esque music. I think it's on the Making of Sounds. I think put it on there. And then that again got dropped, I think, earlier from the writing because I think it was there as an idea quite early on and the band liked it. Nate, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But then, you know, other pieces of music in that sort of vein came along like Invisible Man, which was way sort of superior and got dropped again. And then it, it turned up in the, the right music met the right words in, in for sounds. Mm. Wow. Wow. Should we break for a bit of diary? Yes. I haven't read it this week. Do you, have you? I have actually. Oh, yes, give me. I have. Where am I? Um, you're going you're gonna to go from Chicago to LA. Oh, lovely. Eternal flight. Um, there's a wonderful little uh, piece where... Um, Pete disappears whilst queuing for social, his his social whatever status. <laughs> I remember. Um, that. Um, and, and and then and then you're going to finish in the US, but then you're going to come back and go to South America. Right, right. So all of that. Oh, uh, okay. well, here it comes, everybody. Sunday, 24th of June. Los Angeles. Day off. Arrived in LAX and made our way to the baggage hall. Popped into Starbucks on the way and bought a chai latte. It was refreshing not to have to do immigration and simply walk to the baggage hall and out into the street. I stood with Ian. The temperature was thankfully a little cooler than Chicago. I sat on the slatted seats in the baggage hall, contemplating the fact that the backsides of Harrison Ford, Jack Nicholson, Johnny Depp, Liz Taylor, Richard Burton, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and you name them, have probably graced this bench. We had no trouble picking up the bags and bundled into a cab with Phil and Pete. Babylon Sisters by Steely Dan has to be listened to whenever one arrives in Los Angeles, so I found it on my iPhone and put it on as we negotiated our way to the Sunset Marquee Hotel. It was just as I remembered it, possibly even more rock and roll, with pictures of Tommy Lee, Jeff Beck, Morrissey, Slash, etc. on the walls. We were checked in by Frenchie, and I made my way to room 226 which was very nice and spacious. Plugged in my technology and spent a little time working on the vocal comp of Gaza, in between ironing a couple of shirts. Didn't actually make it out of the door. Ordered dinner in my room, which cost $80. Maybe I won't do that again, but it was very nice. Scallops and Brussels sprouts. And worked a little more until I went to bed. Woke up in the night wheezing, with the distinct feeling that maybe I was allergic to the bed. It's a pet-friendly hotel, 
So who knows what's been here? Liz Taylor with a couple of tabby cats. You never know. Monday, 25th of June. Los Angeles. Day off. Woke up early, absorbing another two hours of jet lag, and wrote the diary for a while before meeting up with Frenchie and the band to take cabs to the other end of Sunset for an appointment with the Social Security Office. We all need US Social Security cards as part of the process of minimising US withholding tax on our gig income, not profit, income. So we went through the airport-like security machines and took our place in the queue. Each of us was given a ticket and had to wait until it was called. I was given ticket number A25. A19 was up on the screen. A19 by Steely Dan. Another quintessential sound of LA started up in my mind and I began singing it. No one got the joke. There was a moment of nervousness when Pete T was taken into a back room. Pete's one of those people who constantly looks like he's done something illegal and is harbouring a great secret. Anyone in authority usually takes a closer look at him. I was called to a window in the office and interviewed by a woman with an Eastern European accent. She wanted to know where we wanted the SS cards posting. Not the UK, it's against the rules. Not New York, it's against the rules, etc. Frenchy scrabbled around trying to find an address while I imagined Pete T in the back room panicking over the same question. Frenchy's mobile kept going off. It was Pete panicking. It was soon all resolved and we posed briefly outside the building for the ever-present Andy who had accompanied us to photograph the proceedings. Initially, I decided to walk back up to Sunset with Rothers to take a cab back to the hotel. But having got back up there, I decided I would walk back. It was a long way, but it was Sunset Boulevard all the way, and I wanted to soak up a few old memories and feel like I was really here. The first time I came here was with the Europeans in the 80s. Tony Childs picked us up from the airport in her old yellow Buick and showed us the town. Back then, I went to our record company offices, A&M, which were on Charlie Chaplin's original studio lot, and met Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss, the A&M. All the memories are confused and distant now, but the feeling is still there, and I'm still trying to decide if I love this town or loathe it. Stopped in at Sunset Sound Studios and asked the manager if there was any chance of popping in for an hour to listen to some rough mixes. Also wandered around Sam Ash's guitar shop and saw a black and white picture of Steven Tyler hanging out with Andy Warhol. Over the road in the guitar centre, I marvelled at Van Halen's four bass drum black and white stripy drum kit, each pair joined together with a strange bellows system. Totally over the top. Popped in and went upstairs to the percussion department where I've bought skinned tambourines in the past and bought a skinned tambourine. Wednesday and Thursday, 27th and 28th of June. Los Angeles, House of Blues. Both LA shows were terrific. Keith Emerson appeared backstage after the first one and said the show was quite brilliant. After the second show, 
I discreetly crossed sunset and sat on a wall, just watching the world go by till 2am in the warm night air. At one point, a couple of quite a bit younger than me guys sauntered past, and one said to the other, Are you around tomorrow? The other one replied, totally relaxed and matter-of-fact, No, I can't do tomorrow. I'm recording with Aretha Franklin. Uh Uh-huh. Little or no reaction from his friend. Only here. Monday, 8th of October. Home, Sao Paulo. Overnight flight, fairly uncomfortable in economy, sitting next to two girls reading Fifty Shades of Grey, S&M girl porn currently all the rage. I spent the journey with Carl Pilkington, watching An Idiot Abroad too. The BA staff were very nice, as usual. Finally touched down in Sao Paulo at 5.15am local time, 9.15 in England, and stood at the baggage conveyor with Rothers for over an hour, waiting for bags. Ah, South America. Met in arrivals by Renaton, a muscular and very rock and roll promoter's assistant, who generally sorted stuff out. Nice chap. A further two-hour ride in a minibus to the hotel. Skyped home and went to get my roots done down the road. They said they didn't do guys. I said I'm not like the others, and they let me in. Walked back, and there's a little parade of shops and restaurants. Poked my nose into a Chinese delicatessen, and was offered complimentary mint tea by a smiling, bobbing Chinese old dear. Bought water canned iced coffee and some cashew nuts. Further down there was a little coffee shop, so I stopped there for a cappuccino. Rothers was going out and invited me along with some fans. He seems to have a global dialogue via Facebook. I have learnt to keep my head down. I just don't have the time for it. I declined his kind offer, thought I should stay in and chill. Agreed to meet him in the lobby at 10am tomorrow. They're taking him to the beach. Well, that could be nice. And we're back. Um, Yay! And and you've waited to do that, haven't you, James? You can tell. Um, Um... uh, we were just, we were just, or I was just thinking in the break. Uh, I was going to say we spe- we talked about this in the break. We haven't. I was thinking in the break uh, whether I'm liking the fact having somebody on with so much knowledge or not. <laughs> hey, hey, how are you feeling about this? Well, humbled and and yet grateful uh, because uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny hearing you trot these things out, and I go, oh yeah. <laughs> With all of them, because you know, obviously they did happen, but they they sort of exist in a part of my memory that's you know dreamland. Really, it's it's like somebody go and you go, oh yes, I, I, you know, I dreamt that last night. Um, it feels a bit like that. So, James, how much more is there to go through? Um, quite a bit. Um, right, there's there's still quite a lot of um, stuff up in the attic to to digitise. And then it's a case of putting it all together. And I think um, I'm going to be helping Mike with some of the, the latest stuff just to catalogue it. So there's a full end-to-end sort of, and if anything's needed, whenever, 
somebody can go, oh, yeah, there, there it is, and that's where it is, and we've got a copy of it somewhere. Right, okay. And one final question before I... Uh, I've got a couple of diary questions, but um, who makes the ultimate decision then? So on, on the making ofs and the bits that support the remasters, who do you compile a list and say, well, I think these 30 bits are interesting. Do you want to pick from them? Or do you do you pick the list? Or who? who... No, I, I mean, this is the bit I don't... I don't know. I guess the band has the ultimate decision, and H may be able to tell me, but I... Once I've got my list together and I've listened to it and with the making of it slightly different because then I sort of try and put it in a either chronological or good listening order. Right, so okay. it, it flows quite quite nicely because I know some people like the making of some people don't. And again, I'm, I'm sort of taking it from a fan's point of view as this would interest me and for more than one listen. But for the, for the remasters, uh, I then sort of just send a um, set of stuff it could be potential live albums to be re- reviewed or jams or whatever and then they go off to mike and then i guess then it gets mike reviews them and maybe then whoever in the band reviews them and says yes or no okay so over yeah. to you then oh i don't get involved at all i would go insane with any of right. that stuff so uh i think my it's probably I wouldn't be surprised if James actually makes the decisions and isn't quite 100% aware of that fact. Uh, I would have thought Mike would probably go with most of what you send him. Um, And I'm trying to think whether... I mean, I'm sure he says to us, I've got all this stuff if you want to check it and listen to it and, you know, and pass an opinion on it. And we probably all go... No, Mike, we're quite happy for you to do that. Well, I do anyway. So um, it's a bit, for me, it's a bit akin to looking at my own rectum with a microscope, all this stuff. So right. I'd I just as soon not know what was up there. Right. Um, <laughs> and and the, 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 the process of arriving at these albums is, from my point of view, so... It's a difficult process. It's harrowing in many ways. Um, the 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 thought of reliving that for fun <laughs> is pretty alien to me. Right, right. So it really is like some form of rectal exam, though. When you think when you think back on it. Well, yeah, it's, it's a bit like no. I, I nearly I nearly made a dreadful comparison. I'm not going. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to going to make a dreadful comparison would you have done a change wasn't here it involved a it involved a a changing room in a department store in manhattan um and uh and a court case 30 years later um that you you probably just as soon not not go there um now i'm now i'm slightly flummoxed um just before we finish for this week i've got a couple of quick diary questions uh, which is going to be interesting because you've not read it, but um, that whole scenario where you were in LA, where you went to get was it social security numbers? Yeah, to this day I don't know if that was a waste of time or not, but it was something they the the promoter decided we needed, and then if we had them, there'd be some form of tax advantage, but not not that we would pay less tax. 
just that the process would be slightly simpler than what we'd been doing because there's there's just a a nightmare of of bureaucracy involved in doing anything in America. Um, Part of it is getting paid. Part of it is is, um, that if they withhold tax, actually getting hold of certificates, so you say, well, you know, to your... You could say to Her Majesty's government, yes, this income, we pay tax on all this already. Uh, otherwise, you're taxed on it again. Yeah. Um, so the, the the country that pays you quite often taxes you on, on all of it as source and pays you the remainder uh, only only to get home and be taxed on it all again by um, HMGov. And, and that's all going on in Europe now. Um I don't know if it was tax related or if it was related to to making the the uh, process of applying for work permits slightly simpler going forward. In which case, it definitely didn't work. Um, but I remember we all tro- we It was quite funny, really. We all trooped down to this office uh, on the on the edge of LA somewhere, and we were all you know we were in mid tour. But then suddenly, very in the real world, it was like going to going to claim the doll. You know, we were all there in this office, um, waiting for our number to be announced so we can go and have a little interview at the, at the you know, through a glass panel, and uh, just hanging about and waiting for your turn, kind of knowing that when they called Pete, it, something would happen. Um, and sure enough, it did. And because um, <laughs> Pete's just so naturally shifty that 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 whenever he comes up against any form of um, you know authority, they just assume he's he's up to something because he he starts sweating and shaking, even you know even when he's got nothing to hide. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, sure enough, they 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 hauled him into this side room from which he didn't emerge for quite quite a considerable period of time. And then when he did, he was so angry and indignant, um, which was hysterical, of course. Uh, but I, I I didn't have any trouble. I just went up and name, address, this, that, and the other. You know, what do you do, singer? Blah blah, former alien. How long are you here for? And how long this? And what that? And yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, okay then. Stamp, 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 stamp. You know, off you go. That that was it. We we were down there about. We had to get there early, and we were there for a. I think we were there for a couple of hours, just hanging around, waiting to get the appointment to be seen by the woman through the glass. Uh, Band and crew, and everybody, you know, over a period of time went and had the little interview through the glass, except Pete, who was invited into the back room. I think it's brilliant. And and I I, I must apologise to Pete next time I see him, because I am taking him. There's definitely a bit of schadenfreude going on here. But it's almost like the band decided to do it just to see if Pete would get hauled into the back. No, 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 that was not the case. Uh, but um, he, he he does tend to get hauled in. Um, 
Everybody stays a long way away from him whenever we cross borders or do customs. You don't go anywhere near him because uh, otherwise you're you're hauled in by association. By association. When yeah. you read the diary, um, try not to laugh at that point. Try not to smirk <laughs> at that point. Um, I've had a few occasions reading the diary where I've had to really control myself. <laughs> because I read it and it really made me smile. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. we have described it a number of times in the past and it was just it just came up there again. Mm. As, as you'd expect, um, we'll we'll call it a day for for one five seven. James, you're very very generous with your time. Thank you very much. No for problem bringing... at all. It's been a pleasure. Well, well, you've you've brought what this podcast sadly lacks most of the time. It's it's lovely. It's lovely to set eyes on you, and I, I've got this really vivid kind of mental picture now of of, of you and Mike in some kind of. World War Two aircraft with with uh, with uh, Mike flying it and you sitting sideways navigating <laughs> and writing things down and saying, "Are you sure that's a good idea, sir?" Um, <laughs> I can, I can see the two of you actually as part of the Dam Busters. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and the Lancaster bomber with Barnes Wallace back home and you two <laughs> making it back. Having breached the dam. Yes, and Pete, and Pete as rear gunner. <laughs> Would you want to go on an aircraft with Pete as rear gunner? <laughs> you certainly wouldn't want to get it caught, would you? <laughs> uh, thank you very much, James. We we will more than likely call on you again when we're no struggling problem. and flapping, uh, which could be as early as next week. <laughs> no problem at all. H, what have you got lined up for the week? How long before you you jet off again? Have you got a fortnight in between? Uh, no, mon- Monday I go to Montreal, so not long. I've got three or four days, and and then I'm I'm offed. Right? Are we gonna so, Are we gonna talk in Montreal then? Are we gonna? I think we will. Should we do that yeah. next week? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should do Tuesday because I'll be. Oh, you be jet like to buggery, won't you? Well, I'll be in the air. For most of the day, and then um, yeah, I'll probably Tuesday'll be the thing, really. Okay. Tu- Tuesday afternoon or evening, your time if you can do it. Oh, we'll make uh, it. Work. We'll, we'll, we'll make be it Tuesday work. morning for me. Um, yeah, I better take the gear, hadn't I? Yeah, take the gear. Take the gear. Take the gear. <laughs> Lovely. Right. Well, James, I'll see you when I see you. H in Montreal then. Uh, where did I put that corset? Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.